0: Hello, everyone. Daniel Barnett here from Outer Temple Chambers, and welcome to episode 45 of Employment Law Matters. Now, I'm a little bit tired of recording episodes all about coronavirus. I suspect you're probably tired of hearing me talking about it. The last, I think, eight episodes have all been on things to do with coronavirus or furlough leave. So I thought we'd have a little bit of a break. And what I did instead is I popped a message on Twitter. And I said on Twitter, Do you have an employment law question that's completely unrelated to anything to do with furlough leave, COVID-19, coronavirus, etc.? Got a load of replies. I picked seven of them, and I got a voice actor to record the questions, just really short questions, and I've given very, very short answers to them in this episode, as you will hear in just a moment. So you'll hear seven questions that I got on Twitter, just general good old-fashioned employment law harking back to those good old days when we didn't have anything else to worry about and I've given the answers to them. I hope they're useful. I hope it's a little bit of a break from what's going on at the moment. Just before I turn to that, a quick mention of something that I am doing at the moment, and that's launching on Monday the 20th of April. You've seen my emails about it. I'm putting together a group of 28 top Barristers who are going to talk on 28 different employment law topics. Again, none of them are going to be coronavirus-related. They're things like whistleblowing, redundancy selection, fairness in conduct dismissals, equal pay, director's duties. There's 28 subjects, and each of the barristers are taking one subject, morning and afternoon, for 14 days. They'll speak for about 10 minutes at the beginning of each webinar we're doing, and then you can have half an hour to ask them questions questions. questions on their chosen subject. You can see all the details at www.employmentwebinars.co.uk. Please do have a look. If I'd been putting this together at any Other time. The fee for joining us on these 28 webinars would be £400 or thereabouts. But because everybody is tightening their belts, because everybody is struggling at the moment, I wanted to do something really special. So what I've done is I am doing it to raise money for the Free Representation Unit, a charity that helps law students build up their advocacy experience while representing some of the poorest and most vulnerable people in society. And the fee is a gateway fee of £60 plus VAT for all 28 webinars. That's about £2 per session. And it's your chance to ask the top barristers in the country your most complicated difficult niche employment law questions now for those who are volunteers or for those who work for charities we're actually only charging 30 pounds plus vat half price that's one pound per webinar which is such incredibly good value please do have a look please support the free representation unit www.employmentwebinars.co.uk. And I really hope to see all of you joining me and joining the 28 other barristers on these daily webinars, two a day, one morning, one afternoon, for 14 days, covering 28 topics, starting next Monday, the 20th of April. www.employmentwebinars.co.uk. Just before we start, a big thank you to Tracy HR, who posted this review in iTunes.
1: Diverse topics giving you reassurance and knowledge in easy-to-follow, bite-sized chunks.
0: Thank you to Tracy HR for those lovely words, and we'll be sending you a copy of one of my books if you send your full name and address to podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk. And now on with the Q&A session.
1: Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. So what's the law for taking time off for doctor, dentist and other appointments?
0: There's no right to take time off for doctor, dentist or other appointments unless it's an antenatal appointment for a woman who is pregnant. The only other exception to the general rule that there's no legal right to take time off for medical appointments is is if the individual qualifies as disabled, and giving them time off work would be a reasonable adjustment. But absent those two, there's no right to take time off work during working hours for doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, etc. So if somebody does without permission, they're on unauthorised absence, and you're entitled to discipline them. Now, if they've worked for less than two years, you can probably dismiss them should you be so harsh. If they've worked for more than two years and they've got the right to claim unfair dismissal, dismissal for the first time of doing that would be unreasonable. It would be outside the range of reasonable responses. But you could legitimately give them a warning. And if they do it again after they've asked again and you've said no, you can give them a final warning. And if they do it a third time, you could dismiss.
1: I've got someone who's taken an awful lot of sick leave whilst on probation In the first three months, they were off for 17 days with irritable bowel syndrome, and the line manager is reluctant to do much. The trouble is, the person goes off sick, doesn't phone in, and then says, oh, I was staying at my parents' and they don't have any broadband. So they're basically AWOL. My view is that we need to get an assessment and then potentially there could be a disciplinary issue. If they're behaving like this on probation, it's not going to get any better. What's your view?
0: You just take a normal decision at the end of the probationary period. I suppose theoretically irritable bowel syndrome could be a disability if it's sufficiently serious that they have to go off to the toilet more frequently than people who don't suffer from IBS as a result of which they're impaired in normal day-to-day activities such as going to the cinema, the theatre, anywhere really. But you're dealing with something related to a disability here. You're not dismissing because they suffer from irritable bowel syndrome, you're dismissing them because they've got a terrible attendance record and they're in their probationary period. I wouldn't have thought you'd have much difficulty justifying that under the Equality Act. You have to make reasonable adjustments, but reasonable adjustments will at most extend to being slightly more relaxed with your trigger dates and the level of absence you're prepared to tolerate. It doesn't cover saying to them you never have to come to work, or you don't have to come to work that often because we understand you want to stay at home and you need to stay at home. It doesn't go that far.
1: If an employee makes a racist remark on Facebook on their personal Facebook account outside of working hours, would the employer be liable for any offence caused to other employees?
0: Probably not if it's on a personal account out of working hours from home unless it's some way associated with work, in which case there might be vicarious liability. So if it was, for example, from home on a Facebook account, organising a work party, then the employer might be liable for that. But short of that, no. But of course, the fact they're making racist remarks On their personal Facebook account is important and serious nevertheless. If their Facebook account identifies them as an employee of your company, screenshot that comment before it gets taken off, and you might want to think about disciplinary proceedings because they're potentially bringing your company into disrepute.
1: A client is transferring eight employees to a new company. The new company has asked that the old company starts the redundancy process before the transfer. How would this work?
0: Uh, TUPE and the case law are pretty clear about this. If somebody is redundant, that is, of course, if a, if a role is redundant, that is, of course, a potentially... Fair reason for the dismissal because it's an economic, technical, or organisational reason entailing changes in the workforce, which is an exception to the normal rule that a TUPI related dismissal is automatically unfair. If the consultation starts before the day of the TUPI transfer, but the dismissal occurs after the day of the TUPI transfer, it's going to be exactly the same. It's potentially fair, but you've got to tick all of the boxes. If, of course, both consultation and the dismissal occur before the date of the Tupi transfer, then the transferee, the receiving employer, is going to be liable anyway under old European case called Litster and Driveforth Docs, which says that where somebody's dismissed because of an impending transfer in advance of the transfer the transfer is still liable. And also because that's what 2P 2006 says. 2P 2006 amended 2P 1981, which hadn't said that. So bottom line, you've still got to justify the economic, technical or organisational reason entailing changes in the workforce. And you've still got to show that the dismissal is fair because a reasonable procedure has been followed, whether it's the old employer or the new employer who's done the consultation and the dismissal.
1: Following Talon Engineering and Smith, can you give any guidance as to how long we should delay a disciplinary hearing if a trade union representative is unavailable?
0: I can tell you exactly how much extra time should be allowed. A reasonable amount. Boom. Five days is the legal minimum, but assuming the individual you're likely to dismiss has more than two years employment, you'll want to be cautious to avoid a finding of unfair dismissal. Now, if there's a credible reason why the trade union representative can't be there and they're not messing around, you've got to allow a reasonable time for them to attend with a minimum of five days. If we're talking a week or 10 days delay, it's going to be unreasonable not to allow that. If it's two weeks, it's greyer. If you're getting beyond three weeks, it's generally going to be reasonable to refuse. Large unions, remember, should have the capacity to send an alternative representative to avoid causing an undue delay, although they might be reluctant to do so.
1: Can you compel someone as a witness in an employment tribunal?
0: Yes. Anyone can apply to a tribunal for a witness order. In America, they're called subpoenas, but a witness order compelling an individual... Based, if you're in an English or Welsh tribunal based in England and Wales, if you're in a Scottish tribunal based in Scotland, to attend. All the party needs to do is write to the tribunal. Now, this is one of those rare occasions where the other side isn't and shouldn't get copied in. And the letter should just uh, say, X person, give their name and address, X person is refusing to give evidence and their evidence is relevant for the following reasons, one, two, three, please issue a witness order. And the tribunal will do it almost as a matter of course, if they think the witness will be relevant.
1: I'm working with a car company that has four controllers, three of whom are on a 36-hour week, one of whom is on a 48-hour week. The boss there wants to equalise them all down to 36 hours. Assuming the employee doesn't agree to come down to 36 hours, what are the employer's options?
0: It's a straightforward case of imposing a contractual variation, so consulting and then dismissing and rehiring. They'll have to establish a good business case for imposing a pay cut because that's essentially what it is. If they can show a good business case for it, great. If they can't, they'll be potentially liable for unfair dismissal if the individual's got more than two years' employment. Well, I hope you liked that episode. It was a bit unusual. Maybe I'll do it again sometime. But for now, thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't yet registered your place on www.employmentwebinars.co.uk, please remember it's to raise money for the Free Representation Unit. It's £2 per webinar. It's almost a giveaway. And you're going to get the chance to question 28 barristers on 28 different topics starting next Monday 20th of April. www.employmentwebinars.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Daniel Barnett from Outer Temple Chambers. Bye bye.
1: Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.